So this week, we're going to continue a series that we've been on all year, all right? And uh, we're getting close to wrapping it up. We're almost finished with it. We're on the seventh of the I Am Statements of Jesus. We've been calling this the Word of the Lord for 2018 because the Word of the Lord for 2018 is? Oh, you guys are good students. You are so good. Jesus is the word of the Lord for 2018. You can't get a better prophecy than that. Are you with me? You can't get a better prophecy than Jesus himself. And we've been studying the seven I am phrases, and we're on the last of those seven phrases. We're going to spend a couple of weeks on this one because there's so much to mine out of it. Actually, we could spend the rest of the year in John 15, but we're going to kind of do a flyover, and we're going to pick up the, the gist of what Jesus wants to speak to us through who he says he is. These are the I am names that Jesus calls himself all through the book of John. So John chapter 15, if you're there in your Bible, say I'm there. All right, if you're there on your smartphone, say I'm there. All right, John chapter 15, chapter 1, verse 1 says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. We're going to stop there this morning and spend some time just on that verse. You can write this in your notes this morning. Jesus is our, notice what he said, our true vine. Now I want to get this in context today so we understand what the original hearers would have understood Jesus to have been saying when he said, I am the true vine. What they would have understood him to be saying, and you write this in your notes, first bullet, is that Jesus, not only is he the true vine, but he's the only true vine. When he says in the singular, I am the true vine, their ears perk up. And the reason their ears perk up in your notes is because Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, Israel is repeatedly referred to as a vine in the Old Testament. His listeners would have been very aware of that, right? They would have heard about this many times in synagogue. Over and over in the Old Testament, Israel is referred to as the vine. You can see it in your notes. There's several passages that are listed. So first of all, their ears are going to perk up because he's saying he, in the singular, is the vine. They've always understood that Israel as a nation is the vine. And he, so he's switching it up on them a little bit. He's caught their attention right now, right? But here's the deal. In your notes, every usage of vine or vineyard was about the whole people of Israel. Again, not just one person, but the whole group. Never, never is that passage used in the singular, in the, I mean, that idea of a vine used in the singular in the Old Testament. Not one time. Every single time it's about a group of people, and every single time it's about Israel. But here's the thing that would have really would have been like, oh, great. Here comes one of those passages, Jesus, one of those sermons that you're going to be preaching to us today. Because most, in your notes, most of those passages had to do with Israel's failure and God's judgment. Most of the passages in the Old Testament that talk about Israel as a vine, that's what they're about. They're about God's intention for them to be a fruit-bearing vine, how they were not a fruit-bearing vine, and how because of that they incurred judgment. So this is like when he starts sharing on this subject, Immediately, their ears are going to perk up because he says he's the vine. But secondly, they've already heard the, the teaching on what the vine is all about. And all of it has to do with the, the, the failure that they, 
immediately their eyes are drawn to themselves, the failures that they've had in their own lives, the failure that they've experienced as a nation, and as a result of that, the judgment that they're very, very familiar with in reading the Old Testament, right? So that's where their minds start to go down that track. But here's the deal. When he says, I am, I am, notice again, they're going to hear him say that, echo I me in the Greek, I am the vine. That's, again, he is saying that he's equating himself with the I am of the Old Testament. So now all of a sudden he's pulling into the singular. So in contrast, you know, it's in contrast to Israel, which became unfaithful and incurred the judgment of God. Jesus, Jesus remains faithful and thus fulfills Israel's calling to be the vine of God. Do, do you guys remember... Over the last few years, we've, we've used this word a few times. We've talked about how Jesus is the vicarious man. You guys remember us using that word? Some of you are going Princess Bride on me, right? You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, right? So we've talked about several times about how that Jesus is the vicarious man. In other words, he vicariously represented all of humanity. But specifically, specifically, Jesus vicariously represents all of Israel. He comes into the earth and lives as the first person in Israel, the first person under the law. Now, Jesus is born under the law, right? And he's the first person who lives an absolutely perfect life. He lives as Israel was to live. How many of you remember, though, the law actually was sent to reveal to them that they couldn't do it, right? That's what, that's what Paul ends up telling us. The law actually reveals and causes actually a propensity to sin because it gets us focused on our failures. It gets us focused on us and us trying harder. And ultimately, the law is just meant to bring us to the end of ourselves. So they know this, they know very well. Now at this point, they don't know Jesus is going to the cross. They don't know he's making a way for them. They don't know he's their vicarious man. But he very much in this statement is saying, I'm the true vine. I've now stepped into your place. I have taken the place of the one who is completely and utterly, he, what did he say? I've not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, right? So he comes in and completely fulfills the law, right? Completely. As the true vine, he stands in the place of Israel without failure. And so therefore, this parable, this is what I want you to really get this morning. Because this is a flip in the script for these guys. This parable about the vine and the branches is not primarily about judgment. It's about joy. This parable is meant to encourage them. There's warning in it. We'll get to that next week. There's some serious things that he has to say to them in this parable. But primarily, this parable is not about judgment. This isn't a judgment parable. This parable is about joy. Where do I get that idea? Actually, from Jesus. Verse 11, in this same... He's, he's not changing the subject. He's just been talking about the vine and the branches. He says this, These things... I have spoken to you, oh, I love this, so that my joy may be in you. Wow, isn't that an incredible thought? It's not just your joy about me, <laughs> but my very joy itself may be in you. That's the whole purpose 
of me speaking this to you, and then that your joy may be made full. Why? Because my joy. How many know it's not the joy about the Lord that gives us strength? It's the joy of the Lord, right? It's his very joy active and working on the inside of us. And he tells them this parable saying, my purpose here, guys, is to crank up the joy for you. Not sharing this to bring you down and to get your eyes focused on you again. I want you to look at me. I am the true vine. How many of you have ever found out? Let me just ask you this way. How many of you have ever taken times to do introspection on yourself? Anybody besides me ever just, you know, navel-gazed and started looking at yourself and seeing how you're doing? Now, raise your hand if you came away encouraged. <laughs> if you do, if you do come away encouraged, usually it's because, one, I'm proud of how good I'm doing and how many know where that leads, right? <laughs> or two, most of the time you don't come away encouraged. Most of the time when you navel gaze, it doesn't come out that well, right? When our eyes are on us, that's why Hebrews chapter 12 says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You fix your eyes on you, you're going to keep getting more of what you've been getting. You fix your eyes on Jesus, right? The author and finisher of our faith. That's what he's doing. He's refocusing them, right? Good stuff, good stuff. These things I've spoken to you so that your joy could be full. That's his purpose. Look at verse 2. Now he begins to unpack the parable. Here's how the NASB reads. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Notice it's every branch in me. It's not a disconnected branch. It's not something that's not a branch at all. It's a branch that is in Christ. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit fruit. Different translations read differently on the first part of that verse. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Anybody have something that says a little bit different than that? Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, what do you got? He cuts off. Anybody else got that? Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, cuts off. Anybody else got something different? What else you got, Herb? Oh, that's where we're going this morning. What are you reading out of? passion translation aren't you yeah so many different translations will say every branch in me that doesn't cut bear fruit now notice in this in this passage in this passage he first starts talking saying, i'm the vine right you you're not the vine you're the branches but then he brings another um player into the parable papa right so I'm the vine, and see, Jesus, he, he's just always got to go back to talking about his papa, doesn't he? He always goes back. Remember, we've talked about this before. Jesus didn't show up to appease his father. He showed up to reveal his father. That's why he came, right? That's what he said. He came to show us who his papa really is. This is one of those moments when he says, I'm wanting you to know who I am. I'm the vine. I'm wanting you to know who you are. You're the branches. I'm also wanting you to know who my papa is. I want you to know who Abba is. Abba is the husbandman or the gardener. You can write this in your notes. Papa is our caring, cultivating gardener or encourager or nurturer. It can mean all of those things. He's our cultivator. He's our gardener. He's our encourager. He's our nurturer. And I want you to see Jesus was actually presenting Papa as a caring Papa in this passage. 
It is not in the original language. Cuts off, chops off, that's not there. That's not there. It is, it is read that way, in that way, by the translators. Here's, here's the one that you just read, Herb, out of the Passion Translation. Many of them, like NASB, simply say, he takes, right? What does it say again? Let me go back to it. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, is how it translates out of the NASB. Nothing about chopping. It's, it's a taking away. What does that mean, though? John 15, verse 2, he, here's how Brian Simmons translates this. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. Oh, and pruning away the fruitful branches to yield a greater harvest. I want to focus on the first part of that. The idea, because it really flies against some of maybe what we thought that the first part of John 15 was saying. We maybe thought it was saying, if a branch doesn't bear fruit, well, just Papa's just going to whack you out then, right? Papa's going to knock you out, right? You're going to get cut off. You don't bear fruit. Papa ain't going to put up with that, right? You here this morning, you're barren. There's a preacher here to tell you today, Papa about ready to cut you off. I used to preach like that. Sure enough did. I sure enough did. Papa's going to cut you off. I want you to notice the translator's notes, Brian Simmons' translator's notes. I just copied them for you. They're on the screen. The Greek phrase that's being translated can also be translated, he takes up to himself every fruitless branch. There's that idea of taking that's in the verse. He takes up to himself every fruitless branch. He doesn't remove these branches, but he takes them to himself as the wise and loving farmer. He lifts them up off the ground to enhance their growth. In the context, Christ's endless love for his disciples on the last night of his life. This is the last night of his life on earth. How many think he's choosing his words wisely? Well, he always chose his words wisely. In fact, he only said what his papa said, right? So on the last night on earth, Christ's endless love for his disciples on the last night of his life on earth seems to emphasize God's love even for those who fail and disappoint him. Remember that Peter's denial didn't bring rejection from Jesus. He had just at the Last Supper, remember that's where he just, at the end of the last chapter, he says, let's go up from here. At the end of chapter 14, they've been at the Last Supper that whole time. And now they're on this journey together, and as they're walking, he's sharing with them these nuggets of truth. He knows this is the last night of his life, and he wants them to know he's divine, they're the branches, and his papa, because what's in the back of Peter's mind is Jesus saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. Remember, he told him that, right? And then he goes into chapter 14 and says, don't let your heart be troubled. <laughs> Right, So now in this chapter, he again is speaking to them. He's told them, all of you are going to turn your back on me. So my friends, if Papa chops off everyone that's fruitless, all 11 of those turkeys should have been chopped off, right? All 11 of them should have been chopped off. Every one of them, well, John kind of hung out at the cross with Mama Mary, right? But the rest of those turkeys, Judas betrayed him, right? He's not even in the picture right now. He's off working the betrayal, working this whole thing out. And the rest of those disciples that are hanging with him right now, 
every one of them are going to turn their back on him. He is speaking words to them right now to equip them. His desire is that they would come out of the other side of this, this night, when they're going to look back on it. For the rest, how would you like for the rest of your life, for the rest of your life, your memory of the crucifixion of Christ is I walked out on him. That's their memory. For the, that's what, that's what they would remember after the cross. He gives them this right now as an encouragement to them to say, listen, when you feel like you're fruitless, when you feel like that your life is, you've failed and your life isn't producing what the, what the king and his kingdom desire for you to produce in the fullness of that, he takes you up to himself. He brings you into a place of purity, of intimacy. In your notes, the cure for barrenness is Papa-initiated intimacy. That is the cure for barrenness right there. The cure for barrenness is Papa-initiated intimacy. He brings us... when. Some of you may feel this way this morning. You may feel like, man, I, my life is so barren, so fruitless. I, am, I don't see any productivity in my life right now. I, I feel like I'm in a dry place. Papa said, Jesus says, here's what my papa does. He's, he's drawing you. He is wooing you to himself. He is going to bring you to a place of fruitfulness through intimacy. My friend, there is no other way. You cannot grunt out fruit. How many ever try to make the fruit of the Spirit happen? Do you ever look at a tree? Any trees out there you see? Any trees going, any branches? It won't work, right? You cannot pop out. You cannot pop out fruit by pressing and trying harder. Forget it. It does not work. That's works. That's nothing but fruitless works of the flesh. I had a pastor many years ago, I heard preach a series called Plastic Fruit. Looks great in the bowl, but there ain't nothing to it. With me? I could make it look like on the outside. Look at all the fruit going on. But if it doesn't come from intimacy, it ain't fruit, it's plastic. Mm, shaka baba. Okay, let's move on. So he's our caring cultivator, Right? That's what he's saying in these first verses. Secondly, he's our papa is our pruning cultivator. Papa prunes those branches that do bear fruit. This, again, my friends, is a blessing to us. It's not a curse. It's a blessing that Papa prunes us. It's a play on words in, in the book of John, actually. Because the word prune actually means clean. It's like using one word that has two different meanings. It means prune, and it also means, in your notes, to cleanse of impurity. Prune means to those branches that are fruitful branches. Papa is committed to cleansing of, Im, of impurity. How does he do that? In your notes, Papa's plan for cleansing us is the logos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that just a little bit more, but you remember, right, that this... John is the one that develops this. He's the guy that develops this. Nobody else has ever gotten this idea before. Nobody's ever written about this before, John. He's the first guy that got this revelation. In the beginning was the logos, the word, the logic of God, the language of God. Jesus is the language of heaven. You want to know what heaven sounds like? Heaven sounds like Jesus. 
the logic, the language, the logos. In the beginning was the logos. The logos was with God, pros, face to face, right? We've talked about that. The word pros, he's with, he's face to face with God. And the logos is God. His plan, Papa's plan, to cleanse us is the logos. Where do I get that? Verse 3, Jesus says this to them. This is interesting. He says, if you're a fruit-bearing branch, I want you to know Papa's going to prune you. He's going to cleanse you. He's going to prune you. And then he flips the word. He uses the same word. And then he says this to this, you are already clean. He says this to a bunch of turkeys who are about to deny him. I want you to catch that, all right? It's really important. He doesn't say this to them because they've been doing everything right. They, not very long before this, they're arguing about which one of them is the best, the greatest. He says to them, you are already clean because of the Logos, which I have spoken to you. He both speaks the Logos. This isn't the word rhema. That comes later. We'll, we'll touch on it next week. He uses the word rhema which is the now word of God. He uses that in this parable, but it's not at this point. He says, you're clean because of the Logos, which I have spoken to you, but understand that not only is he speaking the Logos, he's speaking from who he is. He is the Logos, right? He is the logic of God. He is the language of heaven. He's saying, you're clean because of me. Now, interestingly enough, this same word for prune or clean is used in Hebrews chapter 10. You're going to see this on your screen. Hebrews chapter 10 says, The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there was still nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all, here's the word, eliminate. That's the word in Greek that's the same word that Jesus uses when he says every fruitful branch that the, that the papa will cleanse and you are clean. Same word right here. For if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate or cleanse sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshipers would have clean consciences. Instead, once was not enough, so by the repetitive sacrifice, year after year, the worshipers were continually, what's the word? The worshipers were continually reminded. See, I want you to catch that. Sometimes we read passages like John chapter 15 and we get our eyes off of him and on us and we start inspecting our fruitfulness. Are you with me? We get our eyes off of him, we put them on us, and we try to do a self-inspection of how fruitful really am I, right? And as soon as our eyes come off of Jesus, we're reminded of how unclean and how unproductive, most of the time, if we're not doing that introspection with Holy Spirit, which many times we aren't, we're just looking at our lives and seeing how we measure up. My friends, that's nothing more than living under Old Testament law. People tried to do it. It does not work. It wasn't even supposed to work. It was supposed to lead us to looking at Jesus. Whole purpose of the law, point us to Jesus, point us to Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Year after year, these sacrifices are made. 
repetitive. The worshipers are continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? Look at verse 9. So by being the sacrifice, there's the vicarious man right there. By being the sacrifice that removes sin, behold the Lamb of God that covers the sin of the world. Is that what it says? Oh, thank you, thank you. Good, good. Don't let your pastor get away with stuff like that, all right? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He abolishes animal sacrifices and replaces that entire system with the new covenant. By God's will, we have been purified, made holy. How much? Once and for all through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus, the Messiah. Once and for all made pure by what Jesus did. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What I'm learning in my life, you can write this in your notes, is that the only effective way to live clean is to allow Papa by his spirit to remind us that we are clean. Oh, let that roll around in your spirit this morning. The only way to live clean, allow Papa to remind you just what Jesus did in this passage to his own disciples. Papa prunes the branches that are fruitful. And by the way, you're clean. <laughs> he says that to his own disciples. He says it to you this morning. I want you to hear the word of the Lord over you today speaking. Let it penetrate like a hot, fiery, life-giving breath into your, into your spirit, into your heart, into your soul today. You are clean. Jesus declares it over you today. Jesus paid the price. Jesus is the only source of your cleanness. He's the only source of your deliverance. He's the only source of your freedom. If he says you're clean, I'm not talking about what your pastor told you. I'm telling you, Jesus says you are clean. Ooh, my brothers and sisters, we will live that way when we know that's who we are. As long as we continue to focus on who we aren't, we'll continue to live from who we aren't. We'll keep living unclean. I'm not preaching a sloppy message to try to get us to live sloppy lives. I'm saying there's better for us. You better believe there's better for us. There's better for me. There's greater days ahead. There's a life lived in more purity for me and you. Absolutely. What I'm saying is there ain't but one way to get there. And his name is Jesus. He is the word not only for 2018. He is the word for our lives. He's the logos of God. He is God's only plan. There is no plan B. He's the only plan. So if he says to you, you are clean, my friend. You are clean. Take it to the bank, baby. You are clean. When you and I believe that, that's when we live that way. When we forget that, that's when we don't. As, as Ted Decker says, one of my favorite authors, as Ted Decker says, life is a series of remembering and forgetting. My goal in my life right now is to make the forgetting parts shorter. To allow Jesus to make the forgetting parts. When I forget who he is and when I forget who I am, when I get my eyes back on myself, Lord, remind me that you say this about me. You are clean. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. That was good preaching. Thank you. Hallelujah. I'm telling myself that. All right. So that's one of the meanings of prune, 
right? But that's not the only meaning. Prune also means to prune trees and vines from useless shoots. To prune trees and vines from useless shoots. The word prune itself, it means to cut away or to remove unnecessary parts, to remove dead or living parts. This is what he's saying to people who are fruitful, right? He's not saying, I'm going to chop you off. He's talking about pruning away the useless parts. He, it, it actually, I want you to notice this, to remove dead or living parts from a plant so as to increase fruit or flower production. That's what honors Papa when we're fruitful, right? So here's what we learn from that. First of all, Pop, Papa will lovingly remove or cut back the dead distractions that are crowding out more growth. So if you, you are a fruitful branch, you are, and, and fruit is, 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 is being produced to some degree in your life. One of the things Papa will do so that you are more fruitful is begin to trim back those dead distractions that are keeping you and me from the more that he has for us. Here's just a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, relationships maybe. There might be some relationships in your, in your life that are only sucking the sap out of you. You with me? You ever been around a sap sucker? Actually, guess what? We've all been them too, right? Yes, all those sap suckers out there. Yeah, and we've all done it too, right? Sometimes there are relationships in our life that they're bringing us more this way than we're helping them go that way. They're bringing us more down then we're helping them make the trek up, right? In those instances, Holy Spirit may speak to you and say, you know what, that, that relationship is actually not helping you. That relationship is not a fruit-producing relationship in your life. And, and Holy Spirit may ask you, you know what, I want you to back away from that. He didn't say he doesn't love them. He loves them enough to pull you away so that they can turn to Jesus instead of keep looking to you. Every good pastor, every real pastor, our heart is not to get people hooked on us because we know we're just like you. You get hooked on me, you are going to get so disappointed. And I would like an amen from everyone I've disappointed right now. Okay, good. Everyone I've disappointed gave a good amen right there. I know it. Actually, any time, any time, that you get your faith in someone else, anybody else, they'll disappoint you, right? And by the way, that's true when people get their faith in you. And you get into this codependent thing, right? Oh, the only way to Jesus is through me. The healing you need, you're going to need to spend more time with me. we got about seven more years of mentoring before I think you're really ready to go on and be with the Lord. Because i got what you need. I got a, I'm God's answer person. i got every answer you need. You just come to me because I'll tell you what the Lord says. You keep coming to me because I'm the answer for what the Lord says. Man, you are hurting that person. And you're hurting yourself. You're keeping yourself from the fruitful thing that God wants you to produce uh, or he wants to produce through you in your life by completely that relationship being a relationship that sucks the life out of you. It can hinder your growth. Papa will also trim back habits or hobbies that are hindering healthy growth. There's nothing wrong with healthy hobbies. And there's nothing wrong. There are some habits and hobbies that we have that maybe aren't necessarily wrong. But when they are out of balance and they begin to be our focus more and more and more, that that is my source of life, oh my gosh, I got to go fishing or I'm not going to have any more life left. Fishing is my hope. Netflix, oh my gosh, I got to have my Netflix. I have no issue with fishing. I could be like, yeah, preach on fishing, pastor. 
But I have used movies and Netflix. Now, there's nothing wrong with those if they're good, clean, healthy things to watch, right? But if that becomes an escape, food, an escape, right? What is it that's the escape that Papa's saying, you know what, I love you so much that I'm putting my finger on this area. And listen, anytime God puts, he doesn't point a finger, he places his hand. He puts his finger on an area. When he puts his finger on an area, it's because he intends to bring you to more fruitfulness. He says, listen, you trim this back. Oh, my goodness. You, you, it's not you. you. It says Papa will do the trimming, right? Lord, I surrender this to you. I trust you to trim this back in my life. You show me, Father, what it is that you want me to trim back in these areas of habits or hobbies that have become so much of a focus to me that they're actually hindering the growth that you have for me. Reveal those to me. He'll do that for us because he loves us. The other thing that he will do, though, is Papa will, I'm almost done, aren't you glad? Papa will lovingly remove or cut back good living diversions. I'm talking about stuff that looks like it's working. Living diversions that are keeping you from great fruitfulness. He cuts back living things. Things that look like they are producing, and they are. There's a certain level of fruitfulness in this area of your life. What do I mean by that? One thing that I mean is past areas of fruitfulness that are not to be your present focus. Past areas. This is going on in my life right now. It's like, dear God, why do I have to live this stuff I preach? That is what's going on with Tan and I right now. It's an area of fruitfulness. This church is amazing to me. I love you guys. I love what God's doing here. But for my personal life and for your personal good and for Tana's good as well, for all of our good, God's saying, I'm pruning. I'm pruning right now. I'm cutting back something that looks like it's alive, and it is alive, but I'm pruning it so it can be more alive. I'm pruning it so it can be more productive and more fruit-bearing past areas of fruitfulness, even that maybe are present areas of fruitfulness, but they're hindering what's supposed to be your present focus, where God's calling you right. God did this with Moses, right? He's like judging the whole nation of Israel all by himself, and he's the guy that hey, hold on. I got 70 people. I want to do that. You, I've got other stuff I want you to focus on, Moses. You're really good at judging. People love it, and he's feeling good. Everybody in the whole nation depends on me. God said, no, Moses. I want you to pass that on to 70 other people, and I want you to continue to move on with the fruitfulness that I have for your life. And you know, it's, Papa is passionately and he's lovingly committed to our full and fruitful future. I mean passionate about it. He is fired up passionate about our fruitfulness. Verse 8 says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to see if I can find something as you guys are standing up to wrap this up. Hey, Pastor Sam. How are you? Pastor Sam's going to help me. So first of all, this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. There is no other path. There is no other way. These are his words. There is no other way. However, his goal was not that that be exclusive, but that that be inclusive. He's the inclusive way. He, he has done everything to bring you in. And he's inviting you to respond. What he will not do is force you, but he invites you to respond and place your faith in him.
By placing your faith in him, I don't mean that you prayed the exact right magic words in a prayer. I mean that you simply said, Jesus, I don't even know how to place my faith in you, but I'm turning to you and saying yes. I'm saying yes to you the best way I know how. And I'm trusting you that you are the one who is, you are the one who has what I need and who is what I need. So this morning, if you haven't done that before, would you raise your hand if that's you? Say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, you need to do that this morning. Raise your hand. Pastor Sam's going to help me. There's one. Anyone else? Raise your hand real high. There's two. Anyone else? Raise your hand real high. Give your life to Jesus today. Come on. Go for it. Raise that hand up real high. Wave it around so Pastor Sam can see it. I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer. And we are going to acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Three or four more in the back. Awesome. Praise God. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Hey, let's give Jesus praise for those that are responding right now. Yes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. We're all going to pray this prayer together. We're going to place our faith in Jesus. I'm going to have everyone repeat after me. Prayer is not magic. It's just a point of contact where we do what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. We believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. So we're going to do that in just a moment. But I want to read something over you guys today. I was praying for you last night. For those of you that feel like you're the fruitless branch, this is a prophetic word for you right now. Receive it. Child, you feel wound up tight like a hose in the summer heat. You've been feeling like the wells run dry, but it's only a feeling. It's only a feeling, son or daughter. A feeling that's contradicting the truth of who and what you always carry. Child, it's nothing more than a little kink in the hose. My living water is readily available within you and you are not a faulty hose. You are just a bit closed off to my flow. Just a little fear is enough to hinder. Oh, but my love is more than enough to overcome that little fear. We're going to call that fear little, no matter how big it looks today. Will you let me love you? This is a phrase that Doug Woman asked us at Harp and Bowl this last week, and it stuck with me all week. It was our theme for an hour, over an hour. We just sang and prayed into that. God said, will you let me love you? That's the answer right there. Will you let me love you? I'm not asking you to find the kink or untie what's knotted knotted up on the inside of your stomach. All I'm asking is, will you let me love you? My love will open you up and release rivers of my living water. Get ready for an explosion of love and life today. Prophesy that over you today if you need to receive that. Amen? Let's, let's pray a prayer this morning, everyone. If you would repeat after me, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I declare today that I believe Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. Not just for me, but as me. When you died, the old me died. When you rose, the new me rose. All things are now passed away. And all things have become new. I am saved. I am renewed. I am transformed by the power of your spirit now living in me. 
I'm created for fruitfulness. Jesus, you're the vine. I'm the branch. I draw my life from you. 100% from you. You are my source and my salvation and my healing and my deliverance and my freedom. You are my everything. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, shout somebody.